Good morning, I'm Anna Palmer. And I'm Jake Sherman. And welcome to The Daily Punch, brought to you by Punchable News. It's Tuesday, October 10th, 2023. Let's get into the mix. Here are your Washington headlines of the day. Number one, where things stand in the speaker's race. Number two, Steve Scalise's Louisiana problem. And number three, how Israel could help Ukraine funding. All right, Jake, let's get into it. We, of course, are all over the speaker's race uh, and its many twists and turns. Yesterday, we held uh, a pop-up brown bag lunch for our premium members where we went super deep on the state of the race. Um, You know, certainly House Majority Leader Steve Scalise, you've got Judiciary Committee Chair Jim Jordan, but the other big factor out there is that neither candidate has anywhere near the requisite support to win a majority inside the Republican conference or on the House floor. Yeah, it's kind of stunning, Anna. Um, We talked about this yesterday on the brown bag um, that, you know, we are sitting here on Tuesday morning um, in the wee hours of the morning uh, um, to give you a little bit of flavor. Uh, And um, neither candidate, neither Jim Jordan or Steve Scalise is anywhere close, close, to getting the majority of the House Republican conference, let alone the 217 Republicans that some want to um, uh, some want to put in place to to move a speaker vote to the floor, um, they are just all over the place uh, in a way that is is kind of stunning. Like, let's think of it this way. John Duarte, Carlos Jimenez, and John Rutherford, Duarte of California, Jimenez, and uh, Rutherford of Florida, stood up during this closed party meeting and vowed, and vowed that they would only vote for Kevin McCarthy for the speaker jobs. McCarthy is now saying he's not a candidate, but, you know, maybe he might be a candidate because he keeps leaving the door open to it. You know, yesterday, we, we didn't get into this a ton in the AM edition because we, we talked a lot about it in midday and PM. But um, McCarthy spent the day yesterday indicating that he might be open to this job. Now, do I think he, he that's a feasible thing? I don't. No, I do not. Um, but um, by him saying that and, and saying it's up to the conference – it gives these Republicans hope that he might run for the speakership. Now, uh, it freezes the field a little bit. It could prolong this effort. So, um, you know, I the, the confusion is just all over the place. I want to add one more thing that I'll kick it to you, Anna. There's this effort by um, Brian Fitzpatrick and Chip Roy uh, of Pennsylvania and of Texas, respectively, Um that uh, to raise the threshold for the motion to for the sorry for the to get to the floor for speaker vote. So it used to be you used to go into this meeting that this that this time will be Wednesday, but you used to go into this meeting, uh, this internal party election, whoever got a majority would advance to the floor and then that would be that. Now, Fitzpatrick and Roy want to make it that you have to get 218 or 217 majority in the conference so you don't go to the floor and look like a complete clown show and have 15 rounds of votes for speaker. Uh, Scalise is opposed to that and his allies broke out against it. Uh, Jordan is fine with it because obviously he thinks that no one will get a majority and it will give him time to peel away at Scalise's support. So there's this fight for the speakership. There's this proxy battle for um, the rule change and 
wrapped up in all that is this fact that no one thinks. I mean, I don't know many people that think that either man is going to get 218 or 217 this week. So, Anna, what a train wreck all over a 45-day CR that they didn't that eight people did not like that McCarthy passed while there's a war raging uh in uh the Middle East. Yeah, I mean, I think you put a, a really fine point on it. I mean, the point I think here for, and I, I said this yesterday, but I, I really, after covering so many of these races and certainly internal Republican dysfunction, because remember, I mean, this is going on decades now, right? It's all the way back to John Boehner uh, and Paul Ryan is kind of dissatisfaction among Republicans with their leadership. But leadership races in general, Focus on a momentum. There's a reason why if you are in the leader spot, if you're Scalise, you want this to be wrapped up as soon as possible because typically the person in leadership would have the organization to kind of round up votes. I think what's been interesting here is I think a lot of people would have thought that Scalise would have kind of had a much more of a clearer edge here and that has not actually happened uh, I think the other thing that's been really interesting is is just kind of Jim Jordan's ascendance from not being interested to kind of obviously making a serious case. The big question to me tonight, is there a clear winner? I mean, this is the candidate form. It's not a presidential debate. It's not going to be uh, before the press. So, you know, I think it's going to be interesting to do a sentiment kind of bed check, frankly, at the end of it to say, you know, did anybody was it is anybody convinced? Because it seems to me there's a lot of folks right now, particularly in the moderate camp, who are, you know, holding holding their cards very, very close. Uh and unclear what, if anything, between the two those two men is going to all of a sudden increase the amount uh of momentum in their favor for this, particularly the, the concept that you know, they, if they change the rules, that they're not only on the House floor have to get to 218 or 217 without themselves, um, but, you know, they, they'd have to do that in the conference, which is a Herculean, you know, effort, given the fact of that Republicans are as divided as they are. You know, Brez made a good point yesterday, I think, um, which was like a quarter of the conference is publicly committed. That's it. I mean, in McCar- and, and uh, sorry, Ed. Allies to both men, Scalise and Jordan, say, well, you know, actually there's more, but people are not coming out because they don't want, you know, they don't want to do this. They don't want to they don't want, you know, primary challenges if they're for Scalise, not Jordan, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe so. And this will be a private ballot, meaning uh, it's a closed uh, secret ballot race so people could vote theoretically the way they want to without repercussions. But um I just don't see any, I don't know, I, you and I, Anna, have covered a lot of these. Brez has covered even more dating back to Abe Lincoln's uh, <laughs> leadership race on the Hill. Uh, need, uh, these things, you typically see momentum. I see zero momentum, zero, zero, zero. And people are, maybe some people are waiting for Patrick McHenry to get in, but I don't think that's going to happen. And I think he has a very, you know, attention to all lobbyists. He has a very uh, murky, I would say, and tough path if he got in. All right, let's move on to the number two story of the morning, Scalise's Louisiana problem. 
So this is a really interesting item and I think kind of dovetails extremely nicely to where you ended there on the fact that none, neither of these candidates have momentum. It's unclear given the fact that, you know, only a quarter of the conference or so is actually committed on this, uh, where things are going to end up shaking out. But clearly, you know, one of the things that is most interesting to me is the fact that usually you lock down your home delegation uh, is one of the first things that you do. They're kind of usually typically in lockstep behind the candidate that is running. However, that is not happening when it comes to Steve Scalise and the Louisiana delegation, Jake. No, it's not. Uh, and that's surprising to me because Scalise's power has always been regional. He's always been a southern candidate that pulls heavily from the south and is able to lock up the south in his in route to victory. That's how he won his first leadership race, the southern delegation. Um, and that's a um, uh, I would say that is a uh, uh, a big mo- a big base of support for him. Um, Julia Letlow of Louisiana is the only Louisiana that has backed him. Both Mike Johnson and Clay Higgins said they're too close with Jordan and Scalise to make a call here. But still, that is shocking to me. Garrett Graves declined to comment. Um, and, you know, listen, it's not it's not great. You know, uh, in Ohio, Jim Jordan has locked up the entire delegation besides David Joyce. In Ohio, Jordan's locked up the whole delegation besides David Joyce, a leading moderate who is hosting both candidates today in his RG2, I think that's, yeah, RG2 group, and Brad Wenstrup, who um, is supporting Scalise, very close with Scalise, um, dating back, uh, he was there and and helped save Scalise's life during the baseball shooting back uh, a couple years ago. Um, So uh, a little bit of regional disparity, I would say, in this race. All right, let's find the number three story of the morning. Israel uh, and the war there is throwing a wrench into Congress's Ukraine plans. All of a sudden, uh, the fact that Israel's war against Hamas terrorists uh, has really kind of thrown the support of Congress and the fact that they're likely going to have to pass a supplemental or a, a, an aid bill for military assistance coming into focus very quickly. Uh, and the question that that remains is the fact that some the White House and some Republicans want to link Israel and Ukraine funding together, uh, which, of course, is going to also piss off, you know, some House Republicans who have strong opposition to the Ukraine funding. Yeah, it's going to be tough. Um, Some people are saying, and we quote people this morning saying, if you support Israel, you shouldn't be forced to support Ukraine. Um, That that ain't going to fly in the House of Representatives. Um, And uh, I would just add to that um, that uh, there's a lot more support for Israel than there is for the war in Ukraine. Um, uh, For whatever reason, I'm not saying it's justified or not justified. That's just a fact of life. Um, I could tell you that Overall, uh, Republicans are telling us that they think Israel will need aid within weeks. So um, and just to tie this all together, uh, earlier in the newsletter, we quote um, uh, Joyce, David Joyce, who I just mentioned, saying, you know, we should they should empower a um, uh, they should somehow empower Patrick McHenry to move legislation. He's the speaker pro tem. He's not really allowed to move legislation because Israel has this big um, need for um, because of Hamas terrorists, because of the absolute 
um, uh, awful situation that's happened over there, the killing of innocent people and the bombings. Uh, you, the United States has for a long time supported the Iron Dome, the uh, missile defense system that the United States helped develop. Um, and they will need to refresh the Iron Dome in the coming weeks. So that will be something to keep an eye on. All right. One quick thing before we let you go. I'm going to be interviewing alongside senior congressional reporter Andrew Desiderio, uh, Representative Andrew Garbarino, the Republican from New York. This is going to be part of our future of cybersecurity um, reporting all of this month as part of October Cybersecurity Month. That's going to be Thursday, October 19th at 8.30 a.m. Would love for folks to join us there. You can... Uh, sign up for that at our events hub at punchable.news. We also have the second installment, Jake, of the future of cybersecurity, focusing on the legislative landscape. Really interesting look by Andrew about where things stand, given the fact that uh, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer has made this a huge priority, wanting to get some legislation done uh, early next year. Uh, if you are interested in AI, what's happening there, you can check that out at punchbowl.news. Have a great day and stay safe.